This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Sex and drugs and sausage rolls. I'm James. And my name is Keen, and that was Glenn Close, but no cigar. Welcome to Sissy That Pod, the RuPaul Drag Race Reaction Podcast on the Headstuff Network. Today it's Drag Race UK episode 5, it's the Ruru Vision, it's the crossover we've always wanted that we've finally gotten and, I, and, mm-hmm. and the episode did not disappoint. Oh my god, I genuinely think for like it was a roller coaster. I think it's one half, it's definitely my favourite episode of Drag Race in the last year. I, I loved it. I have not been more moved and excited and genuinely laughed out loud in such a long time. I thought it, this, this, this is a perfect episode of Drag Race. Ooh. And a perfect episode of Sissy That Pod. I mean, well, as ever. It's hard not to be perfect. <laughs> Joining us, I mean, whiff of Eurovision, and we know who to call. William Lee Adams, he is the man you see behind Wee Wee Blogs, the Eurovision blogger. He is always a joy to talk to, has such great insight about the world of drag and the world of Eurovision and how they collide. So last time we spoke to him, it was Drag Race Canada, and he's back for Drag Race UK. Welcome to the podcast, William Lee Adams. William Lee Adams, we could not even mention the word Eurovision without calling you up and getting you involved in the episode. How have you been since we last spoke? Hello, boys. I have missed you so much since the last episode. Oh, my goodness. I'm bored. I'm not going to lie. I've been working at home since March. And, you know, my bootay is a little sore from all this sitting. Um, and now that it's cold, I don't really exercise outside, so I'm ballooning. And then I saw Tia Coffee, and I was even more aware that I was ballooning. But anyway, that's for a separate podcast. I'm trying to stay positive, and I hope you are too. I was actually like a minute late to this call because I had to do some stretches because my leg was sore from sitting down for too long. I feel like you know these are sort of lockdown maladies that were. And I to. I didn't open the the meeting room particularly hastily because I needed a moment to decompress after <laughs> what just happened. That was an episode and a half, right? So much went on. Like, this is going to sound really gay, but the pandemic really hit home when I heard about the queens at home. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So let's just get over that little first part from the old life at the top of the episode. I thought it was very shady. I I, I knew Veronica wouldn't make it to the episode because I accidentally saw it when I was looking through spoilers to work out what episode was which. Um, so I thought it was funny when they had a bit of her being like, I'm not going anywhere. You know, you're going to have to live. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, sorry, COVID, bye. <laughs> I'm kind of glad. I think it's actually good for Veronica that she didn't get to come back. And I'll tell mm. you why. Because she was starting to come off as sort of salt, salty and entitled. And kind of, there was a sense of her that she was like, I'm owed this. And I think that she can go away now having done well. And then come back, hopefully, with a bit of a new attitude in season three. So I, I think it's good for her that she didn't. Yeah, uh, I think so. She and she'll have that storyline of being like, knowing what it's like to be missing out in the competition makes me want to fight even harder. Mm-hmm. And we, we love that. We do. Absolutely. Miss Vanjie. <laughs> this is a bad analogy, but you know how Shangela went out and she came back and she slayed? I feel like Veronica was doing way better than Shangela was her first time around. So when she comes back, you know, that pig nose could become a pig crown, right? She's going to have the hooves, the trotters, have everything. She's going to slay her a way. A bacon crown, you know. <laughs> Bimini will be disgusted. Baby got back. Bacon. Mm. <laughs> 
did we did you think Ginny Lemon's departure was iconic or disrespectful? Where did you land on that scale? <laughs> this lemon was sour, okay? When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade, right? You don't spit the citric acid in the judge's face <laughs> yeah. when they've taken a chance on you and put you in this competition. Do you Every- think she wasn't asked back or do you think she said no to being asked back? Like Ooh. when Rue said that. I think Rue said we're not inviting her. I think so too. I mean, I I was trying to figure out like was the wig a like a subtle reference to Ginny Lemon? I I couldn't figure out what was going on with that hair piece in that particular time. But no, to be honest, I thought it was both iconic and disrespectful. And that it, like I kind of think you go there, you know what's involved. You know, you lip sync for your life if you're asked to do so, and all especially for someone who came in with such a reputation as being like mm. a really fantastic queen. Um, yeah, I think yeah, she wore the wig because she was like, "I am more than enough lemon. We don't need that stinky lemon pledge up in here anymore. <laughs> Take it away." <laughs> and also, she kind of shot herself in the foot because every minute you get on TV is a minute to be discovered to win new fans. And yeah. I just thought it was rude and like sab- It was self sabotage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, completely. Because it was like I don't. I think it was like if you were to go. If this is a different podcast where we were like, you know, psychologically analyzing the girls, we might say that she was scared she would lose the lip sync and felt that she would take that matter into her own hands and just be like, "Well, you can't tell me I've lost because I've decided not to participate." So we never know. You and know, you never I, know Jenny Lemon either we should commission a psychologist to join us for 20 minutes per episode to do sort of like remember Big Brother and they had that woman who oh I like, loved her she oh, was you my see, you know, Emma she closed that door so that means she isn't really enjoying what DJ is saying we need that we need sort of psycho- <laughs> psychology quarter like Dr. Phil quarter so y'all better get wanna... a crowdfunder going because she's going to charge a thousand <laughs> euro an we've got some premium <laughs> yeah. content if you want to sign up and support this that pod we'll work on getting psychology <laughs> yeah. quarter going for you okay <laughs> Um, so then the, the, I actually quite liked the way that the queens kind of came back into the workroom one by one alphabetically it was kind of nice to see them interact with each other and I did kind of like the joke of being like it's kind of like we're back on all stars but we're actually just all skint I thought that yeah. was a, a good one <laughs> I thought Ohora looked really refreshed with that lunchbox the girl had eaten you know what I mean yeah. it was like she was ready to go no lo- low blood sugar there yeah, no <laughs> she has no glucose issues. I really liked her like weird look with the the blue coat and the like. I thought mm. she looked. Really, I, I, they all looked really good. Um, but that's because they'd all been to the doctor. I know. That's what I was just about to say. I was like, I think the, the standout <laughs> in that whole sequence was Sister Sister's teeth, like very prominent, large and in charge. It was trying to be American teeth, but it ended up looking Halloween teeth, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Something about it was very costume. Do you know what it looked like? Do you know those, when you see those videos sometimes of like dogs that like get a hold of like dentures? So they have like... (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It kind of had that vibe going on. (laughs) Like, you don't don't belong there. (laughs) I didn't notice her teeth not being straight the first time. So I might have to look back at those talking heads and see. Mm-hmm. You're less judgmental than everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Me? No. <laughs> Little angel over here. Who would you have chosen to come back out of Joe, Cherry, and Astina? You know what? Because of the pandemic, I was like, we have to pick Sherry Valentine. Our girl has been out there on the front lines helping people for seven months, was it? Yeah. And Joe Black was my last choice. Maybe because I didn't remember Joe Black. And all of them seemed to be saying, oh, we want to know more about Joe Black because we don't know him. Whereas I was like... Girl came and girl left. Bye. Um, so yeah, I voted with my heart. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How kind of you. I do think Joe Black would have been my first choice just because he's so, you know, he's just such a different character on the show. But Cherry would have been my second choice because I did feel mm. her pitch I thought was great, which was like, you know, I've stepped my pussy up and I want you to yeah, come on and beat me. Like she was kind of saying, I'm competition now. So that's good. Is she Cherry or Sherry? Cherry. Cherry. Oh, damn. I wrote Sherry. <laughs> You're getting confused with She Who Must Not Be Named from season 12. <laughs> there we go. Mm. Uh, no, I would have. I, I really like Joe Black, but I think that like he's too much of a character for, like, I don't think he's versatile enough in some ways for this kind of a competition because it needs you to be able to be like lots of different things. So I would have liked to see Cherry Valentine back because I thought like kind of. She was done bad by challenge a challenge that she kind of slipped up a little bit at. She didn't really deserve to go out. She did a good job on the lip sync. It just happened to taste it better. So I, I would have liked to see Ch- Ch- Cherry Cherry Valentine back. Yeah, I would say none of the four that went actually deserved to be in the bottom of the week that they got kicked off. But yeah. alas, here here we are. Um, I think Estina yeah. was a little arrogant because she was like, I evolved. She was the mm-hmm. only one I felt who was like, it was like a job interview. She was like there to deliver and it just lacked the warmth that I wanted. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she was too Pokemon for you. You wanted a bit more <laughs> personal. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think we'll go on to find that. I think just Joe's drag is just different from the jag- drag you need to provide on, on Drag Race. But well, we will get on to that. And the, as we watch the stocks of H&M plummet overnight. <laughs> Uh, I do think he really shot himself in the foot. I think he really chose the totally wrong team for Revision. I was like, first person I would have thought was Taze and then Bimini. So when I saw he had chose Tia and Sister Sister, I was like, okay. You can tell he had been gone from all the recent challenges. Mm, Yeah. And wasn't aware of who could slay. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, I I mean... Like T- Tia, apparently great performer. Like I actually thought that like her performance in the the mm. revision was brilliant. Um, so like you know, fair play, Joe picked Tia. But then like to to go for sister sister next, it was just a very odd group to pull together. And left, it was kind of like it reminded me of that like season six challenge where you have like Darian Lake and then like the like sexy cool like. Courtney adored that one where you kind of just had poor Al Lawrence in the background stomping around the place. I don't really know what I'm doing here, but uh, this, <laughs> these people are so good. They're going to carry me to victory. Like That's kind yeah. of what ended up happening, but like by accident in a way. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I think Lawrence though kind of has such good presence and comedy anyway that he was trying to, he was able to sort of pull it through for him. I did quite like Ahura's line of, you know, this is not the competition to find the next pussycat doll. I did think that was quite quite a good line Let's overall hear i would say yeah. around the the team forming and all the rest of it and the talking heads that ahora seems like more, like ahora and sister sister both seem more confident than they did in their talking heads of yesteryear particularly sister sister actually is kind of a bit more funny and a bit less just kind of like dour daria kind of sitting there with the head down like kind of trying to give a bit more energy um, and i find ahora very funny throughout this entire episode really enjoyed what she was giving I think she had a lot of self-growth when she was away, mm. definitely. She's less self-hating. Because yeah. do you remember she had that meltdown um, when her and Tia were talking and opening their hearts in the last episode? Yeah. And I really do feel like she took something away from that because she's so much more likable now. And it's yeah. because she's learned to love herself and now she can love others <laughs> and be loved. It's so RuPaul. <laughs> I think possibly like living with taste and having a drag queen best friend that she said she was kind of without prior must have done her wonders absolutely and for some reason in my notes i have two night getaway at a luxury london hotel oh, oh yes, yes. 
the best prize ever given out on Drag Race UK was given to the eliminated queen. Isn't that bizarre? It's not exactly a $5,000 cash tip. Because I'm sure they did like a barter, but still, they, they're upping the stakes. Yeah, I, I did. I actually thought about that because it was also like, when was this filmed? Would they actually have been able to go where hotels all closed down? <laughs> Maybe that's the catch, P.S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ain't nobody there. Yeah. All you have is hand gel in your room. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. You have 20 euros to spend in, in Sainsbury's and you go up to your room and you just stay there for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> next up then was when they went to do the little recording bit and their dancing bit um it kind of you you saw the you know joe was going to struggle from his attempt to say rhyme cigar with cigar it, it was it was a struggle he was on the struggle bus i think joe thinks he's a very good singer and performer and he approached it from a very serious standpoint like oh mm-hmm. this is mine let me prove to the world and I think it shot him in the foot because you could see him thinking like a wrinkle was forming on the forehead. He's like, I must hit every note, but he was missing everything. It was just <laughs> off and stiff and stilted and programmed. Mm. I, look, I, I think Joe is a very much kind of like a cabaret performer, like kind mm. of MC and like that sort of style, like 40s Berlin bar. So like doing this Europop stuff, definitely going to be a stretch. But I think probably he was in his own head a little bit as well because he was so aware of how out of his comfort zone he was. So instead of just being like, fuck it, I'm going to just have a blast and see what happens. He was like, oh, but this isn't the like 1940s thing that I do. I'm How do I, mm. you know, how do I do this? Oh, I'll wear like a tight pink dress and that'll make me fun and young, uh, it, which obviously didn't work out. <laughs> Uh, mm, but it's no. worked for us so many times guys <laughs> yeah i do think it's probably just a clash of styles and you wonder like would he have been better to try adapt the verse into his style i mean it's hard to know and like ultimately i suppose he chose his team based on he wanted them to be camp banana drama to be camp and yes your vision is camp but rupaul doesn't want that to be camp rupaul wants it to be basically you know fifth harmony mm. I'm tired of girls just trying to make the top 100. You need to make the top 10. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, oh, we're going to Eurovision. Let's just be silly. No, you go there to snatch the trophy. That is Mm. how you win. You go there to have a radio hit. That's what the Netherlands did in 2019. (laughs) I'm just sick of this lazy attitude from our girls. I I completely agree because I don't think, like, I think if you look back at your, like, Eurovision is camp in and of itself. Like, Mm. everything about it is camp. But I don't necessarily think that the, the music, like, I don't think that's the defining quality of the music like that's like you know like some of it's great yeah like euphoria by Lorene is camp in its own way but it's like you know it's not it's 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 more united it's king dolls than presentation banana. yes yeah. yeah um which is the same as you could be said for the united king dolls as opposed to banana drama who went kind yeah. of the two like like 1980s eurovision 1990s eurovision instead of like eurovision now this song is like, it's kind of like they took a song from Moldova in the 90s and translated it into English. Yeah. I mean, this was beyond cliche. No one would send a song like this anymore because it's just so bad. And so it was a disservice to all of the queens, I think, to give them <laughs> such a wretch song. Like last year, the Frog Destroyer song, that was great. 
bye bye. What was I, uh, it? Break up, break bye, up bye. bye bye. Yeah. Yeah. I do think though, like that ding ding dong, that's very like mid noughties Eurovision. It's like up next now, it's Bulgaria. And they're like, let's go for a universally English word, ding dong. And, you know, you'd have somebody dressed up as a grandfather clock who's like doing some sort of like that Russian dancing when they get there on their knees. And you'd have a granny sort of rocking back and forth at a rocking chair. And people would just be living on stage. And you're like, I don't know what they're saying, but I'm enjoying it. That's sort of your vision I got from that. And Graham Norton can then make a joke about ding dongs. How do you get a Twinkie pregnant? You stick it in a bag of ding dongs. Third grade humor. Apologies. I did think when they came to the choreography section, there was a great sort of clip of Ellie Diamond, who was really sort of stressing. She's like sucking on her little pink water bottle with a big furrowed brow and you could just see where the stress is real on Ellie everything mm-hmm. she, she's done for me all season is just you know look angry <laughs> oh, I always confuse her and sister sister I feel like sister sister is a miniature Ellie diamond it's the weirdest thing and I know they look nothing alike but the whole show I had to like pause in google image pause in google <laughs> image so forgive me if I stumble um, I find I find Ali Diamond kind of I don't know like very much kind of obviously has grown up watching Drag Race US and is kind of doing all the bits from Drag Race US there, there doesn't there's not a huge amount of like original UK drag offer I don't think and I, I like you notice that in this challenge like even the ones like Tace or Bimini they have something that like that UK edge whereas I don't know it feels like um like Ellie Diamond is kind of playing a like kind of just playing dress up as a drag queen on the show rather than like really being good enough to be there. Ouch. There, you heard it here first. Burned. I think think it just like, I just think it feels less authentically herself, the persona she portrays. Whereas I wouldn't say Tace is particularly British in her sort of dancing and her presentation, but it does feel Tace. Whereas Ellie doesn't feel... I just don't see, I see this is Ellie trying to give Rue what he wants rather than this is what Ellie would be like if you went up to Aberdeen mm. to see her on a show. That's kind of what I think. Oh, taste. When you say taste, I smile because she's like <laughs> the queen, the attitude, the sass. She talked about spunk in her recording session. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, that's just so appropriate because you are serving it from within. It just, <laughs> I know she's elevated. She's just elevated. So when we talk about Ellie versus taste, I'm like, one of them has taste and one of them doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> one of them needs yeah. to Ellie. Okay. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Ellie, do you have coronavirus, girl? Because you ain't got no taste. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. The mirror moment was, you know, we're du jour now. The COVID impact on drag and sort of the coping mechanisms they use and sort of the psychology of being told that your whole industry can just disappear overnight. It was actually like, even though I've been hearing it for the last year, it was still like a new part of the conversation yeah. I hadn't heard. Actually, I suppose for you, William, you must have related to that in a way because like so much of what your kind of you mm. do on an annual basis got sort of swept away in, in everything that happened. Oh, absolutely. You feel invisible. It's like everything, the world goes on, but your part in the world doesn't. And so actually, mm. and I think we talked about this earlier, but that was the moment this you know, year-long pandemic really hit home <laughs> is, is when your life is uprooted, even if you're not sick, you know, even if you're not, you know, you're, you just got your health, thank God. But these other things happen and it's like, whoa, 
Yeah. yeah, earth shattering. And I felt for the queens when Lawrence Cheney started talking about how he was floored because he's such a funny jokester. Yeah. And then to see him so serious saying that he was floored and that he's not needed, his industry's not needed, plus being an emotional eater on top of it. That's a lot. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah, mm. it really is. Um, it, it like it felt very authentic. It was it was interesting as well to see them like really talking about something that is going to be like universally understood. Because a mm. lot of times, like you're watching them talk about experiences you don't really understand. Like if you're ta- seeing like the the like queens of color talking about racism, it's not something you can relate to, but it's something you want to understand and know about. Whereas this was something it's like we're all going through this, and actually we're all still going through this. It was it was sort of a weird like a very weird thing that's only going to really be able to happen once. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> fingers crossed. You know, 2023, we're <laughs> on the, episode 500, and we're discussing. <laughs> but I mean, I've heard, you know, musicians and actors talk about what it's like, you know, not having any work, but I never really heard them discuss the psychological impact and just sort of how how it can sort of attack your purpose. And, I, and even RuPaul sort of towards the end talking about how, you know, he's kind of been stuck at home for seven months and been in quarantine and stuff, so... Yeah, it was interesting to see the sort of psychological impacts of of that. And, you know, a a lot of them, it sounds like they were quite down and out. And so it really taps into the whole, you hear about people on furlough, people losing their jobs. This made that even more real as well. Um, Because if you're a freelance drag performer, do you have the receipts, you know, to show that you've had income for however long, depending on Mm. your country? There are all these rules and stuff. Um, and I know we talk about receipts a lot in Drag Race, but these receipts will be real important. Okay, yo, tax receipts. <laughs> these are the receipts that count. <laughs> yeah. No tax man is going to be auditing those other receipts. <laughs> no, for low, for you. Like, yes, yeah, you can get your, your uh, unemployment benefit if you send me your DMs. That's what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're on to the, the Eurovision bit. I have to say, I loved that they played the opening music. I loved that they had a little Eurovision Logan with a sort of you know hand written heart I love that Graham did a little voiceover for the postcards I was like good on you putting I love that they did the postcards I thought that was that was an unexpected treat seeing the little postcards I think that was like the best part of the episode to be honest (laughs) (laughs) everyone was at ease they were playing there was no stress and then it's like when they had to hit the stage I mean boom Joe Diamond (laughs) dead I I say I love the postcards about Eurovision because it's like we've got you know however many acts forty eight acts how are we going to think of different things for her to do and we're like okay we're going over to Malta now and she is going to be playing netball I'm like okay why not I'm holding a pomegranate a national fruit <laughs> yeah. she was so batshit like so yeah I suppose we get into the the dancing first up. The judges were absolutely living for UKD. Oh my god. I I was as well. I mean it was the standout of the the two performances like hands down. Um yes. yeah. Like it it had the stro- it had like the even Lawrence Cheney who like wasn't the best singer and wasn't the best dancer like was was really like charismatic in the performance I mean it was when you when you saw that one and you were kind of like really getting into it and you were showing how much like all of the like all of the judges with their hands in the air Mm. then when the when the next one started you just knew like you just you just knew that this was going to be kind of like a car crash reversal of what you just had seen 
Lauren Shaney, I'm glad you started with her because I think she's really good at working her silhouette and mm. she chooses outfits that really complement her. She lights up. She knows how to work with what she's got. It reminds yeah. me of Eureka O'Hara in the yes, video. Yes, I yes. am American, American. It's like she just lights up and you just want to watch her. Even if you know she's not a good dancer, she's serving something and you can't stop watching. Yeah, exactly. And I, I do think that what they said in the judging panel about that team, the the first team where are the UKD they did feel like a, a proper group whereas the the other ones like did feel just like four strangers who like decided they'd do karaoke together for some reason like it was it was very clear that it was like there was a tight understanding of how they were going to perform together and work together which i i just i really enjoyed it like i, I will i will probably go back and listen to that to- that song uh, as basic as it was <laughs> i will go back and listen to that song again it'll be added into my like gym workout playlist for like at least a week and a half. <laughs> well, I'm interested to see because the last one got into the UK top 40, right? And I feel yeah. more people are watching this one. I'd like to see how far this gets into the chart. I want to see Scott Mills counting it down again. Let's do it. And, you know, it'll be a sign of the popularity of Drag Race as opposed to the quality of the song. Let's just call a spade a spade. Because <laughs> yeah. last time, you know, um, oh, Bye yeah. Bye, that was a good song. Yeah. Um, and so it deserved, I think it was number one on iTunes or number two on iTunes. It was competing with Selena Gomez. It was slaying. Yeah. Um, I don't see that here. Oh, yeah. Do you know, no, I this... think this is just as equally mm. cheese conic, like, no? Oh, no. I, I think that this is this is really, really good for a Drag Race song, whereas Break Up Bye Bye was just really good as a song. Ooh, would I be like how, what you did there. How, how, what I, yeah. That's I've, got, I've got layers to my oh, Would you really listen to Break Up Bye Bye on the... its own? Girl, like if it the question should be, do you? And the answer is yes. <laughs> but I it do because been... it's associated with Drag Race. Like if that was a Charlie Puth song, would you listen to it? I mean, if I heard mm. this, yeah. I don't like it. Like Break Up Bye Bye was like in my like top, I think my top five most listened to songs of last year uh, on my oh, Spotify boy. list. Yeah. Oh, I want... Uh, there should be a, b- <laughs> a bonus episode on James's Spotify raps. I feel <laughs> Jeff's we'd get it. Call Stockholm or let them know. <laughs> Can I backtrack a little to a horror? Sure. When yeah. she was recording her rap, it, it was so loud and aggressive. I thought she was having an orgasm and then popped a blood vessel. It sounded painful. And I was so glad she cleaned it up for the actual performance. Mm. I got she very confused th- about what bit of like what bit of the performance they show her recording because I was waiting for this like screaming and wailing bit in the song and it never seemed to come. It, it was the bridge part where they all did their ding ding dong, but she was on the ground. She was sort of oh. writhing around. That was the bit I think she was trying to okay. do. But well she had the hidden. best. She had the best comic line in it when it was like, somebody do Death Drop, Joe, and then she did, and she yeah. did the Death Drop. So she's really showing herself. And I kind of felt, I know last week, Louise McSherry was on and she was saying she thinks Ahura is going to win. Something about this glow up now back, I do, I can see it for her now. She just mm-hmm. she seems yeah. to have that wind beneath her wings. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I feel it for her as well. I thought she was very funny. Bimini also stole, like, stole the show for me. That whole, like, <coughs> Keith Flint kind of prodigy vibe going on, it just is perfection. Because you just and don't she, expect it. She had a sort of background vocal bit where she was like, I can't remember what she said, was like, come on now, or something like that. And she really stood out. So, And then that bit with the stool and the hooker boots, I was loving it. Yeah, no, She was amazing. I, I don't know why I wrote this. I said, 
She reminded me of Only Fools and Horses. Maybe it's the Peckham act. There's this distinct accent that's so likable and funny. I, I don't know. There's something about her that I find. Is she Rodney or Del Boy? Who is <laughs> Del Boy. She's at once foreign and then yet of my world. Do you know what I mean? There's like, I just feel like I know her and yeah. I want to know her. Okay, let's move on then to the uh, banana drama. Can we pinpoint what went wrong? This is going to sound really harsh, but I think they grouped the less talented queens together. Or rather, the less polished queens. The less hungry queens. In terms of Mm. dancing, other than Lawrence, possibly. You know, Lawrence has that X factor, though, that kind of makes up for every flaw. Whereas in Banana Drama, I feel like Tia Coffee has the humor. She's like yeah. really funny and amusing, but she doesn't get her clothes right. Um, yeah. I think she may be the smartest queen, actually. There's something about her very intelligent. I love Tia Coffee. Yeah. I just don't like the way she sews and kind of puts her clothes together. So if she could just get real rich off her humor, then hire people to do her clothes, she could be an all-stars queen. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the only thing that she needs to fix is the, is the outfit, or is, the, is the clothing stuff. Um, and and I think that had she been on the like I think that she could have she could have done just as well in the other team like if she'd been on the other team with Lauren like instead of Lawrence Cheney that team would have been like really fantastic because she was so strong um, but yeah I think that where they went wrong was probably just a lack of cohesion like I would have found weird... it frustrating see being Ellie and being like why do we do this and Joe being like no so I can't do that do something else like we have to push ourselves here. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. And was there not some way that you can choreograph around someone who has a dance, like lift them up and let them lie across your arms or dance around them in the middle or do some sort of funny shtick with them? I just thought the whole, you know, ro- the ro- you're dead when you're roly-poly. That's it. <laughs> Speaking of roly-poly, was anyone trying to roll the ball? Was anyone trying to push it? Because in the other group, Taste was like, come on, you can do this, we can do this. Whereas in Banana Drama, no one was holding the banana. We can't do this. Yeah, we can't do this. But I kind of think, like, this goes a little bit, I think, to maybe the lack of maturity in Ellie Diamond. But Ellie Diamond could see that they were struggling. And instead of saying, right, I'm going to get out ahead Mm. of this and I'm going to try and, like, whip us into shape, she just, like, went into herself and started stressing out and then started blaming other people for the fact that she was going to be held back. Um, Because I think Tace was like, right, we know we've got this weak dancer on the team, we've got this weak singer on the team, but I'm going to, like, really get in behind them and, like, kind of, Mm. you know, try and, like, bring it all together. Whereas on the other team, there was kind of just, like, a bit of, like, right, okay, guys, we've all got to go down as far as the low bar that Joe Black is setting, uh, if that's okay. It was very like the apprentice energy where you're like, just once I'm not in the boardroom, I'm I'm happy, you know? It was yeah, just absolutely. looking after your own back. Yeah. Oh. yeah. You know, Jujubee's famous line, or rather the line given to Jujubee was from RuPaul. She said, turn up the heat or go down in flames. And that's exactly what happened to this group. No mm. one was turning up the cooker. It's like yeah. Tia Coffee Girl. You said that during your time away, you were like your own percolator, you know, learning to make your heat, learning to do it on your own. Well, you should have shared some of that heat with the other girls because yeah, it just absolutely. wasn't there. So, James, while we're still getting Psychology Corner up and running in our exclusive premium members only feed, what can people expect if they were to head over there this week? I mean, other than feeling like they're dripping in diamonds with the pure opulence of being part of the most exclusive club on the internet. I mean, other than that, 
other than that, we're 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 rocking and rollicking into episode five of Drag Race Vegas review, and things are getting tasty. It's family affair this week. We've got Vanjie's mama coming in to set her little baby up on the most painful date of all times. You thought it was bad last week when Cameron got dumped on that rooftop. It gets so much worse, so much worse. And also, if you want to see. Probably one of the, the, the Asia O'Hara in the smarmiest way possible, trying to like get a discount on a, on a on an engagement ring. I mean, it's all there for you, all there for to be taken. And we are getting set up. Next week is the last episode, and we're getting a hint of the the old coronavirus. Is like just like in this episode of Drag Race UK. Mm. It's like the the, the specter, the specter is on the horizon. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, there's a lot in there. There's a lot of cultural significance that you need to you know, slurp up. And another sort of culturally significant item on this island that you love slurping up might be a spice bag. So welcome this week's Head Stuff Podcast of the Week, Spice Bags. Spice Bags is a podcast about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Hi, I'm May. I'm an American food writer and I'm with my friends Blanca, a chef from Spain, and Dee, an Irish food editrix. And we are the Spice Bags, three sassy ladies with a lot to dish up. Join us for the chats. Okay, well, let's move on to the runway. So the category was A Day at the Sea. First up then was Bimini with her baby blue lace number with her little parasol. I thought this was great. I have a thing about seeing people's nipples. It, I find it uncomfortable <laughs> because it kind of kills the illusion. She's created this beautiful illusion, but that's just a personal taste. She did look very elegant. She really did. And they were finely tweezed nipples. <laughs> oh, uh, you inspe- for someone who doesn't like seeing some of the nipples, you looked at those. <laughs> they got real close. I was zooming on those nipples. <laughs> um, I loved it. I thought there was something kind of my fair ladyish about it, and uh, yeah, I, I loved the color, and I thought like the makeup was done with like kind of cute kind of baby doll eyes. I, 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 I didn't. The nipples didn't stand out to me. They weren't. They weren't large and in charge and in my face. But they turned you know, on the heat. <laughs> Yeah, next up was Tace, and she had the sort of shell with a net sort of bodysuit. I don't know what you call it that. And when I saw it, I was like, that looks great. But I immediately thought of a look where she was a lot more siren-esque, and she was a lot more alluring and more mermaidian. Um, so I liked it, but I could see down the line of the concept, and I was like, could have been there. That net, you know, she said, do I have crabs? I think I'd be more concerned about jellyfish or sea urchins or some trash because that <laughs> net was extensive. Yeah. <laughs> but this was a really high fashion take, I think, on, you know, someone who's emerged from the sea after 5,000 years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Come through lobster box. Um, I was, I, I really liked the look. I thought it was like, yeah, it was, it was a really good interpretation of it. I think I was like, there's there's only like there's a couple of like really major interpretations of like British seaside town and obviously we got like a couple of them are doubled up. Uh, so I thought it was like a slightly like out of the like out of the blue interpretation of it, which I liked. Yeah, no, it was definitely good. Let's talk about the battle of the chips. <sighs> I don't think it was a battle, was it? <laughs> no. One was supersized 
and you wanted to eat it. The other was, yeah, it was not either of those things. I have a fear of ketchup. I've not had it since I was nine years old. So I actually found both outfits very triggering. It, it, it was like watching blood. When I think when I see ketchup, I just think of blood. And so we had these women or these drag queens with these large fries. I don't know where they shoved the fries to keep them erect like that. And they were dripping in ketchup. And I really turned away. But when I looked closer, when I looked back, a horror took the cake. She looked expensive. Her newspaper was finely wrapped. It was like New York Times as opposed to Daily Star, whatever the other one had. It was just a bit more down market. Joe, it's funny you say that. I actually have a hatred for dried ketchup because after ketchup like dries for a bit, it gets real sweet. Mm. And if I'm in a room with like a place that someone hasn't put away and this ketchup bottle, I have to be like, you need to get rid of that plate now. Wow. I wish we had that psychologist here now. This ketchup support group. <laughs> I have a no strong feelings. A man who doesn't like ketchup. <laughs> What's going on with us? <laughs> Girl, you like mayo though? <laughs> what do we think of these accusations that Sister Sister was supposed to be doing a Pamela Anderson, I'll be ready look, and then you know, went on a little dalliance for seven months and came back with an almost identical but worse attempt at a horrors. Who the hell wants to dress up as a French fry? (laughs) I mean, honestly, if it's copying, you need to rethink your strategy because it was a really bad strategy. Yeah. It's weird. It's a really strange... I don't know why you would do that. So I want to not believe that she copied her because why would you want to copy a French fry pigeon chip, whatever it was? Well, no, I I think it was a good look, but I just don't know why you'd copy it so closely and not do it better. I think that if anything, if you were kind of like looking around the room for inspiration for for and you wouldn't pick the most distinctive look in the room and be like, mm. I'm going to make a version of that. You would try and be like, OK, this is what people are doing. I need to think of something that I haven't seen there. So it stands out. I was just horrified. No one dressed up as a donkey. That's all I care about. Is that a beach theme? Yeah, at like the on like the 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 Brighton the Blackpool Pier, like the donkey rides up and down. Oh, they yeah. have it on Strictly every year. They talk about it. We don't ride donkeys at the beach. I think somebody <laughs> could have been else. like a, a sandman or like a sand castle and have like a shovel sticking out of them or something like that. Like I think that was a fun concept could have gone with. Yes, I agree. Because we've seen Ellie Diamond do a seagull, so God only knows what a donkey would look like. You know, it's so funny with Ellie Diamond. I was not into the look until the judges pointed out she had a webbed foot in a heel with a heel. Like she was really making the seagull high fashion up close. But from far away, it was just a big mess. I was like, girl, your skin. What's wrong with your skin? Get some moisturizer. She loves that sort of furry texture. I wouldn't be surprised if Ellie Diamond is a furry. I think she probably is a furry and like a really and disturbed that's one. Okay. He's like an avian furry. I don't know. Um, I, I just thought like the fabric choice was poor. Like I just, cause it looked it, like, it looked like a onesie you would get in like Primark at like Christmas. Like a, one like, line for you. Go back to party city, girl. <laughs> that's yeah. where you belong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I liked the idea. I just, it was scary and not in a good way. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I am I would have preferred to, to have seen a Pamela Anderson. Although I guess it was like Day at the Beach UK. So that's not really Day at the Beach UK, is it? Pamela Anderson doesn't oh, really. True. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually of, often think that her looks are quite good from like the nipples up. So I wonder does she not have a full length mirror at home? Because from the waist <laughs> down, they're normally bad. 
Maybe she saved the little mirror from the mini challenge and she'll be inspecting <laughs> down there <laughs> in the workroom. That's, I just didn't like it. Lawrence Cheney, boy, oh boy. Um, I thought it was a great way of including a buoyancy aid into a, a, a Luke. I loved it. I thought it was really clever. Lawrence is create. Lawrence is creative. It's always yeah. about thinking outside of the box, and this time inside the float. <laughs> and riding no diving on the booty. That was very yeah. clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a new twist on for exit only. It should have, <laughs> but the no diving should have been on the vagina. Oh, interesting. It's a little, little tear away, you know. You know, you know what I'm getting at here. That's that's the I, point. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. Like, he skipped biology class. <laughs> oh, like I think I do now. Mm, okay. mm, very risque. This episode PG thirteen. <laughs> How ghost of me. Um, now talking about unappetizing food, that ice cream. I mean, like I said it before, you don't put a cherry on an ice cream cone. You put it on a Sunday. It just it was awful. Yeah. If she knew how to work a sewing machine, this would have been high fashion. Because with the top, the ice cream, I think she was going for a melting look, you know, and there were layers. And if, if you were really good, you could make it like Jean-Paul Gaultier or something like very, you know, organic, mm, flowing yeah. Japanese art kind of thing. Um, her, it just like, she just threw it around her neck. And then, and then the cone on the bottom half, if it had more pleating or more texture, more visible texture, because when they zoomed in, you could kind of see the, the waffle cone. Yes. But from far away, it was just, you know, an apron. Um, it's a brilliant idea because she, again, is one of the smartest queens, but it's just poorly executed. Yeah, I think it was kind of, a, a, it was a good, it was a great idea, but like needed to be brought way further. And whoever makes her costumes, like they, like, I hope I see Tia Coffee on Judge Rinder with whoever her costume maker is <laughs> at some point soon. <laughs> oh, we would live. Where is Judge Rinder on that show? We need to get a sort of like Jersey Justice with Judge Rinder going on. Yeah. That'd the judges amazing. had the most damning lines for her. Great for local clubs. It's still a little regional. Never has regional sounded so damning. Honestly. Cue also, the shade I, button, please. Also, I just was like, just say bad. Like, don't, like, don't, just say your look is crap. Don't claim that, like, you know, like, regional, like, there's, like, there's regional queens doing regional drag that's really good, I'm sure. So, like, just say your look is bad. I yeah. Uh, I didn't like that. It may have crossed the line, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's well, like making, we'll get, yeah. We'll get to that line in a minute. But first, we have Joe Black with his windy ice cream chocolate all over him. I thought it was great. We saw a version of this in Drag Race Holland from Chelsea Boy, which I think did a bit better, but it was still really, really good. And I'm glad he got his sort of appreciated runway moment they didn't get in episode one. I just have two notes. I wrote. Mocking an elderly person is not funny. And then, and then I wrote, Glenn Close has Alzheimer's at beach. So I kind of, yeah, I just, it didn't work for me. Maybe no. she was playing Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction after she emerges from the bathtub, having been, you know, drowned by Michael Douglas. More like Fatal Accident than Fatal Attraction. <laughs> It was just um, a mess. It was creative and wild and on brand, but I thought it was a mess. I liked it. I have to say, James. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was. I thought it was good, and I thought that like it was definitely 
like it was of the that group that fo- group before like it was far and away the best interpretation and the best done and like it had yeah. all these details and i think it did really kind of show the sort of type of drag queen that that joe is and it was i think when when i saw joe coming out doing that i was sort of like okay I think the problem here is that like Joe Black just isn't the sort of queen for this competition because he's very and even says it himself he's like in his own lane and does his own thing so I was like I'm glad that maybe he got like a he got like a a kind of a a winning moment out of it because even like having all the like the the tickets from the the fairground as to like little like like it was there was bits of it that were real clever um but yeah not mad that he went home and probably anyway yeah. I, when other queens change outfits, I feel like they look like almost new people sometimes. Whereas to me, Joe Black always looks like Joe Black. Like, regardless yeah. of what she's wearing, you know, in drag or out. And I don't know if that's because she has a very strong face and that's just, you know, yeah, her look. Um, but even as the old woman, I was like, that's Joe Black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have that sort of chameleonic quality some of the other queens might have, like taste or whatever, who can really yeah. sort of change their persona. Yeah. Taste is she's fine. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm. Now, can we talk about that absolute scolding that that RuPaul gave them? You know, two things spring to mind. One is the episode of America's Next Top Model when Tyra Banks is like, "We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you, Tiffany." The second is Tiger Mom. She was pulling some drag queen Tiger Mom. My kids go get it. Go get in that university. <laughs> I'm gonna smack all y'all till you get you know the test scores. You gonna ace the you know the high heel catwalk. It was just very. <laughs> I think it needed to be said, frankly. Um, there is a line. It came from a place of love, so I give her the benefit of the doubt. And there um, was that bit of an apology as well, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you don't usually see an apology from Rue. Rue normally is kind of like, you know, I'm above this. The one thing I would have to say is, week one, Astina won the challenge wearing an ASOS jacket. So if you are going to say, my stage is too good for H&M, then you can't have a stage on which an ASOS jacket famously, like, all the girls were like, hey, did you come out here wearing an ASOS jacket and win this challenge? And she was like, well, I just did. You know, it doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. about the queen wearing it, not about where it comes from. But apparently now it is about where it comes from. But I see, I think his problem was he shouldn't have said anything. He should have yeah. just said, okay. But when he said sort of H&M and that sort of ha ha ha, oh. look at me, Rue took that like a slap in the face. And he yeah. was like, that was like a, uh, uh, you know, a chartreuse. No, that's not a sort of, what, what would you call it? Like, you know, a lavender rag to a bulge, you know, and he was off. Mm. And like his face, he looked disgusted. It's almost like yeah. Rue took it as disrespect. You've had seven months to prepare for your return. I've now extended you another opportunity because you were kicked out. Remember, I didn't have to bring back another girl, but yeah. you got to come back. Would Cherry Valentine or Estina have been so lazy? How dare you spit on my competition? Yeah, yeah. possibly. Um, I, I mean, I just, it's the most animated really that we've seen Rue since was it that season seven they're like I don't want to hear any more goddamn excuses mm. anymore like like it's the first like it, it, it's the first time in a long time you've seen Rue like properly invested in what's going yeah. on there and like giving feedback like especially I think what what's coming through to me is that all of this I think is driven from a point of looking at Tia Coffee and being like you have it but you keep not trying you keep not like kind of thing you you could be beautiful you could be spectacular but you keep on not trying hard enough and i think that frustration is just like killing rue 
Yeah, and I think that's a more important frustration for the show than what Joe Black wore in the challenge. Like, what you wear in the challenge isn't really important. Like, Joe Black served it on the runway where he was supposed to. I was so surprised that Rue was so annoyed about I wonder if maybe, like, maybe that reaction that Joe Black got was kind of, like, the reaction that RuPaul wanted to give to Ginny Lemon in the, like, Mm. seven months ago. It had Mm. been, like, mulling, like, how dare you disrespect me. Since Ginny Lemon had walked off, and then poor Joe Black came out wearing a H and M dress and was all like, "Haha, it's a H and M dress," and mm. Rue was just like, "The Eye of Sauron." Like, well, damn, haunting. we don't need that therapist. You're talking about displacement defense mechanisms right now. We owe you a thousand euros. Weaving it into Lord of the Rings references as well. You know, he is a talented man. I do it all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just thought, like, I think I, that's a meme in itself, you know. Just mention other things and ruse this like face. Like, I'd love to see the stocks of H and M in the morning where they go up or down. Like, it's just, it's just going to be funny. <laughs> then there'll be an expose, you know, RuPaul paid by H and M for yeah. <laughs> elaborate meme worthy reference. No, like, that'll be that'll be like a TikTok video of like when somebody tells me they don't like the Rocky Horror Picture Show and then it's Ruse's face like being disgusted. <laughs> Tia Coffee, I just. I'm reaching, I love, love, love Tia Coffee. Can I tell you, there was a big Eurovision countdown around New Year's and she took over the Weebly Blogs Twitter and she was like tweeting from our account her love of Eurovision for like an hour. She's such a lovely person and I'm like really invested personally in her doing well in this contest. But I'm starting to be like, okay, you got the brain, you got the humor, but girl, you got to get the look. And then it's like when you're watching a teen movie and the geeky girl doesn't take off her glasses till the you know final 30 minutes. I'm like, take off the damn glasses, girl, because you know you are fierce. She is so beautiful and she's so elegant and so high fashion. And I just, I'm praying that she unveils those outfits you guys mentioned that she had hidden in her wardrobe somewhere. So you want that <laughs> moment in Princess Diaries where Anne Hathaway straightens her hair? Yes. Do we agree with the lip sync? Uh, no. winner oh lip sync winner I don't agree with the bottom two. Oh, who would you have put in the bottom two well I just I think that Tia Coffey's performance in the main challenge was like phenomenal like she did okay, she yeah. does, like absolutely didn't deserve to be in the bottom two I would have put Ellie Diamond in the bottom two because she looked lost on stage and she her outfit was like gross so Ellie versus sister I would have put Ellie versus Joe Black because I do think Joe Black was kind of overwhelmed, and I think if you if you or if you're coming back in, you kind of have that little bit extra to prove. Mm. And while it, like the runway look was good, like was definitely lost in the um, it was definitely lost in the challenge. But to be fair, like I don't think like Joe Black could have done the most amazing lip sync that we have ever seen in RuPaul's Drag Race history, and was still going home tonight because yeah. RuPaul was like, "How dare you come into my house and wear a H and M dress." <laughs> I would have had a sister, sister Joe Black um, lip sync, I think, um, because I just they were both at the end, and I don't know why they didn't do this. But Joe, when they had that bit where Joe Black would be like thumbs up, and Ellie would do the sort of coy smile, why didn't they switch them and put Tia and um, who else? Who was there? Who else? Ellie. Tia and Ellie, yeah, on either end, and let them have some shtick. So I don't know. I just kind they got all the limelight, and they still didn't do that well. So in the bottom. I agree with you. Sister in, Tia out of the lip sync. Mm-hmm. And before we started recording, William, you said this. Why wasn't it a Eurovision lip sync? Give us some Gina G. Ooh, uh, just a little bit. Amen. Honestly, it's a Eurovision episode, y'all. <laughs> Why are we singing an oldie song? What was it? What was the song even? Don't leave me this way. Oh, boo hoo. We yeah. heard it before. I just, <laughs> it was really upsetting, actually. And I think it would have. Um, 
what's the word, added that bit of camp that was missing from that very sober challenge song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I tied it all together, like, right? But I, I think as well that... Like, there's a massive audience for Drag Race UK in, say, in America, where Eurovision isn't as much of a thing. So, like, show them what a Eurovision song is. And like, Gina G hit number nine in America, y'all. It's the only <laughs> Eurovision song to chart in the US ever. Or not ever, I, but, you know, the highest charting. So, yeah. again, they should have called us. Oh. Yeah, I know. No, I know. I, though, Joe Black initially in the lip sync, I was like, oh, whoa, Joe's going to do this for the first, like, 20 seconds. Because I yeah. just thought there were, he was, the character was really good. But then Tia Coffee, she pulled out that humor. She went to a little yeah. coffee tin and pulled out the jokes, and it, you couldn't help but laugh. But also yeah. the passion and the fire, you see it in her. She wants to stay, whereas Joe gave us old little lady with the sort of ha- piano hands the whole time. yeah. Well, William, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Before you go, though, we need to discuss the rumours that are a bubbling on Twitter about the Frock Destroyers and Eurovision. Don't say anything about Loud Say, but wouldn't you just love it? Well, I'll just say this. They are, of course, backed by BMG, and BMG chooses the Eurovision artist for the UK. The head of delegation for the UK has said he doesn't want a novelty act, but if they've had, you know, a top 10 hit, are they a novelty act? I think a lot of people have judged them just because they're drag queens, which completely goes against the spirit of Eurovision. Conchita Verst faced all of that shite. People were saying, oh, she's the worst decision ever. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? Our girl won. So don't judge the act by the drag queen. Judge the act by the song. Because these mm-hmm. drag queens can perform, and you need a performer. Mm-hmm. Now, if the song shit, screw them. But <laughs> I wish people would be open-minded. <laughs> well, we know Davina can sing. Yes. So it, it'll be... The capabilities of the other two and, you know, bag of chips will be stripped from her, you know, likes it up the arse and all that sort of stuff. So can we put a muzzle on Baga to get it to happen? I'm sure. I'm sure Baga, Baga would do it for Eurovision. Give me the salt. Give me the vinegar, girl. She's ready. Mm-hmm. But no, hold the ketchup. Hold the ketchup. <laughs> it'll make me, if they are announced, though, it'll make me even more sad that I can't go this year. Because, I mean, that would just be an iconic moment. Yeah, it really would be. Like, that's the crossover. That yeah. is the crossover. Can we get an RSVP up in here? Or no, can we get a rain <laughs> check up in here? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, we can send the United King dolls in 2022, do you know? So it'll just be, you know, it'll become a reality show where we choose the, Euro- the Eurovision Act. It'll just be this challenge every Ooh, year. girl, give me some of that UKD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, William, where can people find you online? What do you have coming up? for oh it's 100 days God. of Eurovision as we record this right so what can Absolutely. people expect in the next 100 days well you guys you can expect me to be sitting on my bum in this room not going outside because we are on <laughs> lockdown but our YouTube is also on lock we are uploading videos every day the tea is hot I am burning my tongue we're wee wee blogs on all the social media platforms but YouTube most especially and you can follow me at William Lee Adams on Instagram Mwah. <laughs> You said this episode was a perfect episode. I think next week could be just as good. Like the trifecta, Snatch Game, Jesse Ware, Gemma Collins. We'll also get a chance to talk about that little episode of The Queens in Lockdown that's going to be airing tomorrow or today as you listen to this. So we have a few things that we can chat next week. Yeah, no, I think I, I have a feeling that this is going to be a very strong Snatch Game. The people who are left now are... 
you know, the people who are left now are, are, are kind of by and large, even the ones who are kind of weak, I think will put in a stellar Snatch Game performance. Mm. I, I I also have a feeling, and I'm no shade to her. No, I guess there's no way I can say that truthfully. So this might be the week. Yeah. Oh, Ellie Diamond is going. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to see who it is. <laughs> what a lip sync that will be. <laughs> yeah, so join us back here for that next Friday. And then if you join us on Monday, we'll be chatting through the improv challenge of Drag Race season 13 US with a James. new guest who hasn't been on the show before. Yeah, I know. It's exciting. excited to have on board. Yeah, who should be able to give his opinion on the world of improv. So we'll chat to you then. Have a lovely weekend. See you. Love you. Bye. Bye. This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.